Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Now, here's your host, Joe Moss. Hi, everybody. This is Joe Moss, and you're listening to On the Money, the show that is uh, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. And as you know, Embassy National Bank wants to help small business, and this show will present a good, insightful conversation on subjects that will help you become a better small business owner. Um, we want to do a shout-out for Mike Salmon, who is the traditional producer of the show. He is actually uh, helping with the uh, European Olympic Games, and um, real good uh, uh, thing for him. So we'll see him in a couple of weeks. But we've got Trey Odom. Uh, uh, sitting in the producer's desk, and um, we also have a, um, a fine young lady from University of Southern California, Deidre, who is a communications um, major, and she's uh, learning this uh, radio internet business here this summer. So um, glad to see you all. All right, here's the show today. We're going to talk about managing a small business in a growing economy and i've got two guests that i've had on before that um that i really liked and we're going to have a nice conversation here first is doug ireland who is owner and chairman of freelance painting doug welcome back good to see you joe and marie Fratoni, who is a um, personal and company business coach and uh, we had a very insightful conversation just last week so Marie is joining us today. Welcome, Marie. Thank you so much. And um, so what we're going to do, and as you know, I run the Embassy National Bank, which is also a small business. And so we're going to have a kind of a roundtable discussion about how to manage in a growing economy. Um, 2008 through 2011 was brutal for a lot of people. Um, however, we, I feel like we've turned the tide a little bit. And so now we're dealing with, uh, new issues relative to, um, a growing economy. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, let me start with Doug. Doug, how's your business? Doing well. First of all, for our listeners, give us a short paragraph of what freelance does. Uh, so it's Freeland painting. Um, and, uh, we are, uh, uh, Painting, roofing, Excuse gutters. Excuse me. That's I am okay, sorry. Joe. That's all right. Um, we we focus on uh, residential and commercial painting mostly, but we also do a, a roofing, gutters, siding, windows, uh, the ancillary services that it, uh, you need to in order to do a paint job. Many times, um, we're about uh, our, our our mix is about fifty five uh, percent uh, residential and forty five percent B two B, which is uh, comprised of some some retail stuff, some industrial, some managed property, and, and uh, multifamily. Okay. And Marie, tell us about your business. Well, the name of my business is called Get Clients Everywhere. And what I do is I work with business owners and entrepreneurs to help them really find the right clients, the right prospects, so that they can make more money and have the life that they lived as they created themselves as an entrepreneur. Okay, good. So. Um, and Doug, you mentioned before the show a little bit about your business. What are you seeing so far this year? Uh, we're we're not setting any records. We're not setting the world on fire this year. We did last year, um, <laughs> but uh, we we've been holding our own this year. Um, I haven't seen the growth that we were prepared for that we had invested for in 2014. Uh, but we're holding our own and we're moving forward. Yeah. 
Um, and as we talked, it's um, a little surprising because you would think your type of business um, would be continue to grow, but it's pulling back a little bit, and um, which is a little surprising to me. It's kind of what we're seeing at the bank relative to construction lending. I, yeah, well, and, and, and see, the funny thing about that is, too, is I don't do any new construction. Uh, I never have. I, I didn't get into it. In fact, I, I built the business off of staying away from new construction because when we started in 2009, there was no new construction. Uh, we had, uh, you know, as you know, the highest levels of inventory of uh, new homes sitting empty uh, of, of any time period in the history of the country. Um, we focused on uh, doing repaints. Uh, which meant that we were going into folks uh, at the start, we were purely residential and we were going into uh, folks, uh, their homes, uh, helping them renovate things that they had decided not to buy uh, and invest in a new property, but invest on their current properties. So we capitalized on a a market where people were staying home and focusing their their, uh, money on their own property. And so we had growth. We've had growth years every year, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, and huge in 2014, 60% growth. Um, uh, you know, new construction's back. Uh, so I wonder if that's not pulling away some of that market from me um, at this point. Well, we do a lot of uh, rehab lending to people to rehab houses, and that's that seems to be continuing to, to grow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Marie, Traditionally, what do you see are some of the issues in managing a growing small business? Once you, what is your number one thing that you see as being an issue for people out there? Well, I think, you know, in general, if you look at sort of management in general, there's a big issue that happens as people grow, and it's the issue of holding on and letting go. What do we hold on to? What do we have to manage? What do we have to keep our, our finger on the, the, the pulse of everything? And what is it that we're willing to really delegate to the right people mm-hmm. that have the right training and the right trust in you? And I think people are very reticent to let go of things, especially entrepreneurs. You know, um, we're used to doing everything, including cleaning the toilet sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that's something, and that's a big area that people can look at and sometimes it's you know farming out your accounting sometimes it's farming out you know the cleaning or making your space really good sometimes it's training and development to their people so it's uh i think it's really a closer look at what is it that they're holding on to what is it they're they're letting go and sometimes a very simple exercise can really give them some some key insight as to where they might take the next action doug how do you deal with that with uh the holding on letting go what do you what do you try to run with? What do you try to let go of? Well, uh, you have to get rid of uh, spending that is not uh, relevant to bringing in business. Um, uh, and sometimes it's a little counterintuitive. The, some of the spending that you get rid of is is the marketing, unfortunately. But uh, sales, you got to keep investing in in salespeople. Um, you've got to get out and, uh, and, and get your name in front of folks. Uh, we, we spend a lot of time, a lot of effort networking uh, at the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Johns Creek Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Community Associations Institute. Those are three, our three main ones. Uh, each one's a different market. But, uh, you know, some of the superfluous spending uh, needs to go bye-bye. <laughs> I, I could use an update on my website right now, but... Uh, it's going to have to wait a little bit longer until the cash flow is there to uh, to make it happen. Do you do you find yourself focusing on what you're good at versus um, 
um, trying to put your hands all over stuff that you may not feel so good at? <laughs> uh, in, a, in a perfect world, yes. Uh, but as a small business owner, I, my time is torn between so many things that uh, you, you have to remind yourself to focus on the things that you're good at. In terms of our, biz, our, our business mix, our service mix, yes, we, absolutely. Um, and, and I started early on in the business deciding that we weren't going to do kitchens, bathrooms, basements, additions, uh, uh, flooring, mm-hmm. uh, lighting, uh, plumbing, things of that nature. And then we focused on just a small product mix of painting, roofing, gutters, siding, and windows. Um, so, so yes on that. Uh, but then on actually executing and running the business, I, I'm torn between sales, customer service, uh, administration, accounting, networking. Yeah. And go ahead, Marie. Well, I, I was going to say, I like this question because I think it's really, um, you know, you mentioned, Doug, the word counterintuitive. And, and I like that because I think that's how a lot of entrepreneurs think. I'd like to propose a different way of looking at it. I think what happens is we put a lot of money into selling, but we don't do the marketing. And without a good marketing plan, a salesperson doesn't know what they're selling. So I would really look at maybe flipping that for a while and looking at how is it that you're messaging and how is it that you're reaching your audience? And do you really understand who you're targeting? I like that you've, um, you know, begun to really narrow the focus. You know, there's a funny old saying, I learned it a long time ago. I didn't make it up, but it says get rich in a niche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think when you really start to focus on, you get really known for like one or two things that you do incredibly well and you are the go-to person. People know you as that. Um, it's not that we're not competent and we can't do a lot of things because smart entrepreneurs, I think, are very capable at doing all kinds of things. But how do you really take the money? Because if you're audience and you're not connecting, you might be doing all the right activities that you know to do. Then it's time to really step back and look at what is it that I don't know to do and where do I learn how to do that so that I can expand you know, it's like looking at what's really working. So I think, you know, looking maybe, I don't know all of what you do or what I know my clients, what they do is there. I think when we get into tight places, the the tendency is to shrink back, you mm-hmm. know, is to, you know, like reduce your cable channels or, or things like that and look at where we can save. It's the perfect time to invest. Um, the people that I'm investing, the people that invest in either my services or when I go and I'm in a growth mode, the first thing I do is really look at who I can invest in that's going to really bring me forward, who's beyond me, who's bigger than me, who's doing it better than me, and then I really spend my time there. And I would say the entrepreneurs of the world today, they're investing. I'm going into an event, you know, and uh, tomorrow it'll have 200 entrepreneurs who, uh, you know, probably spend quite a lot of money that weekend. Um, Doug, what do you think when she says that? <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was, Yikes. I, I uh, you know... Times get a little tough. I need to save some money on electricity, so I turn the open sign off. Mm. Right. You know, uh, so you, you, so you gotta you gotta keep spending uh, on the right things. You can't you, you can't uh, you can't cut spending into profitability. Uh, it really boils down to top line revenue. Um, everything comes back to top line revenue. I mean, I want to be profitable. I want my gross margins to be good. I want my net margins to be good. I don't want to uh, to have wastefulness in in our uh, products, our labor, our, our, any of our, um, you know, expenditures. But I can't cut my way into profitability. I, I, I've got to grow top line. Well, there was a, uh, I don't know if you remember the old Citicorp days, a gentleman mm-hmm. by the name of John Reed. 
uh, who was the CEO of Citicorp for many, many years, took it from a little, um, it was never little, but a bank in uh, New York and made a worldwide wonder. He said that you can never cost cut your way into prosper- prosperity. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And um, he always thought that, yeah, I can go nickel and dime everybody, but what I really want to do is drive my revenue. That's what's really going to help. Yeah. So, you know, Marie, my reaction to that is um, it would be really nice to be able to worry about all those things if I could just find the time. <laughs> so how do you counsel entrepreneurs and trying to find the time? Well, one is, I mean, it's amazing how many entrepreneurs don't run by a calendar, whether it's a Google calendar or a, or a paper calendar or whatever. And, you know, as the old saying say, says, we, we all have the same 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And it's really looking at your top priority activities and scheduling them or delegating them and staying on top of it. You know, you have to kind of have like Hawkeye, you yeah. know, looking at the, the vision from the top. So, you know, I think a lot of times people are very busy. And they're, I mean, I know I can get caught into this trap. So listen, I'm not immune to any of this, believe me. Um, but I think what happens is we get very busy and we get very involved in activity. And then there's a thing called productivity. And because we're busy doesn't mean that we're productive. And I think part of that is just really taking a look outside and really looking at, like, you know, you mentioned top line income. I like that. It's like, what are the top priorities? What are the top, you know, high level strategic actions that you can take that would move your business forward? So you're talking about ty- tyranny of the urgent, right? <laughs> yeah. Urgency I, and emergency. I have a, uh, I read something where um, a small business owner was asked this and what they do is they um, actually schedule a time in their calendar and their, the, the, the schedule time says think. I think I actually shared that. That was advice. Was that, that my, you? It was me. Yeah. yeah. My Thanks. coach gave me that advice a few years back. And um, actually, I've uh, I've started doing that. That's awesome. Uh, and I found that I think better in the morning, so I try to take an hour in the morning to just think. Mm-hmm. But as an entrepreneur, you'll appreciate this. Even when you just take an hour to think, you there's a part of you that says, "God, you just wasted an hour." But mm-hmm. You really didn't. So you kind of have to sell yourself on the whole concept. Yeah. Do you take any thinking time, Doug, during the day? I My brain never shuts off. I, I feel like I'm constantly thinking. Um, I, uh, I sometimes, uh, yeah, just sit back and, and try to just relax for a few minutes before jumping into my next task uh, to, you know, gather my thoughts for sure. Well, there's so many things... Sometimes it turns into checking Facebook uh, or watching YouTube. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. Don't you need to, you need to kind of, I think all that stuff can be productive. It it kind of resets your brain. I mark it all day on Facebook, not all day, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's there. The brain, by the nature of the brain, it never stops thinking. Its function is to think. So it never stops, you know, unless even we're going to sleep, we're doing that. The question is thinking strategically, like on purpose you know, rather than random thoughts. And that is something, I mean, that can be, you know, an issue that can really be cultivated. And it's like, it's hard, you know, I have to, I mean, I have my ways of wanting to think and it's really hard to sit still because I was the kid in school that used to fall out of the chair. You know, I couldn't sit still. I would got great grades and horrible conduct marks, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, that's me. But um, it's really something that when you really look at the strategic part and to ask, are the activities that I'm doing running on the strategic line of the business? 
And I, I just think it's something that to, if people know they're doing it, it's great. If they don't know they're doing it, being aware of it sometimes can maybe shift it a little bit. And like, you know, as I said, I mentioned it to you and now you're, you're starting to think on purpose mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rather than just think randomly. I mean, I think in the car or listen to music or whatever, but it's, um, I think sometimes we have to slow down to go fast. That's a good point. Um, you're listening to On the Money. This is uh, Joe Moss, the moderator, and brought to you by Embassy National Bank. And we're talking about, uh, talking with Marie Fratoni and Doug Ireland about issues um, in managing a small business in a growth environment. A um, couple things we've talked about is uh, um, trying to schedule some time to think productively, uh, a difference between being busy and being productive. And, uh, and then, uh, Marie, you brought up a good point, um, sales versus marketing. Um, so um, we're talking about a lot of issues kind of across the board, kind of randomly, but I think sometimes those are the best conversations. Um, I want to get back to one of the things that b- troubles me is I, I, I don't – every organization has a culture, whether we – think we do or every the fact that you think you don't have a culture that's telling me a lot about your culture but every organization has a culture and doug i know you appreciate this that uh, you really want all your employees to be on the same page in the same zone in the same culture mm-hmm. and we got so much things going on that we have to take the time to make sure that that happens. What yeah. strategies do you use or maybe don't use to make sure everybody's on the same page? So, yeah, well, um, we do, uh, my sales team meets once a week uh, to uh, talk about strengths, weaknesses, you know, successes and failures and, and how we can, uh, you know, overcome those challenges. Uh, the entire team meets once a month uh, to go over uh, the business, uh, where we're at and what uh where we need to go, um, issues that are affecting us all. Uh, and then we try to take some time to socialize as a team, um, go out to dinner from time to time, go to lunch. Uh, uh, we just, uh, in March celebrated, uh, six years in business. So, uh, you know, put together a little party. We had, uh, a, a, a cornhole tournament, um, I, I, I had a, a custom set of cornhole boards made up with the Freeland painting logo on them. And, uh, we, we made it into a, a bracket, like a, you know, like for a, non-Southerners, I think that's just the beanbag board. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. Right. Okay. It's like horseshoes, <laughs> right? <laughs> horseshoes for, uh, for Southerners. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, uh, and, and last Christmas at our Christmas party, we did, uh, a, uh, a billiards tournament. We took the guys out to a, a pool hall and had dinner and, uh, and so the brackets that we made up, and we had w- clear winners on them. We hang those on the wall in the office, and you know, celebrate the 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 fun that we had, um, take pictures. So we try to we try to have a culture of fun, work hard, play hard, um, enjoy each other's time. I try to uh, involve my employees uh, on the on the operations. I, I I I'm honest with them about where our top line is, where it needs to be, what our goals are for the company, where they need to be to fit into that. Um, I think that when you uh, celebrate the business and we talk about the business and, and, and you really are energetic about it, um, you, you get people to, to be excited. It's not, I, I don't want it to be a job. I want it to be something that they enjoy going to, that, that it means something, and that there's some, something to inspire them you know, about painting houses. Right. Marie, you know? what are some of the best practices that you've seen out there about making sure we're all on the same page? Oh, um, <clears throat> 
Well, there's a lot. I mean, I think that, you know, if we're going, if we're still talking about culture and how you create yeah. that, um, you know, I think that when companies have to look at their values, what they want to do, you know, um, that's part of the culture, you know, part and how you, the activities of how people are treated on the inside, the outside, their customer relations. I think those are all things. I mean, I, I'll just give you an example. I mean, one of the constant events that I have all the time is the Women's Professional Development Network. Mm-hmm. And um, that event is always, we are known for being fun, a very upbeat, very uplifting meeting. The people that staff that event for me, which are all volunteers, except for my assistant, we, you know, they know that regardless of what happens, regardless if they're upset about something or they, you know, they get an offender bender on the way, that the clients who come to that event, that they are treated magnificently, that they are, that they have a great time, that they're taken really good care of. We know if the restaurant messes up on a meal, they'll fix it really great because they're outstanding at doing what they do. So we just make sure that, you know, um, everybody wins. Mm-hmm. And that people know that it's also looking at the culture of 100% responsibility. I think companies that do that, so you can you can design what kind of a culture you want. And I think when when some of the businesses do in an organization development strategy session, they really build that together. You know, they look at what is the company that we want to do. It's hard when you impose a cl- a culture on somebody. You know, because sometimes maybe people don't want to do that. I think so. Imposition sometimes can be the the rub. But when you create something, you know, and it sounds like you've done a pretty good job of that, and I bet you do that mm-hmm. as well, you know, people are either on board. But you We have, could do better. You have companies like, you know, you look at, you know, all the big sports companies or, you know, I just went recently to a, a shoe place and, and bought the most expensive sneakers ever, and I had the best time there. I couldn't even believe what it was because I walked in. I was treated so differently in the sense of not that I was personally differently, but my experience was different going to buy shoes, <laughs> you know. I mean, it was so much fun. I was videoed. I was measured. I was, I was tracked walking. I had custom uh, feet. And then I really look at, you know, sometimes when you're looking at it, we create, like for my business, we are a culture of success. Mm-hmm. So we don't stop at anything less than that. And we really look at, I mean, sometimes creating a success is like, it's it's hard work. I mean, mm-hmm. it really, really is hard work. So you have to build in the things that lead to the end result. And, you know, that takes, I think, a little finessing sometimes. Um, Doug, we, as, as you know, some of these uh, technology firms, I was reading in the paper today that, for example, uh, there's one out there, I don't know, uh, Henry's or something. I can't remember what it was. The guy raised $100 million. Um, he did it by saying he was going to have sales of $100 million. He only really had $45 million. Uh, he's never made any money. And he's sitting on, you know, $75 million worth of cash. I mean, that's a nice thing to have. But for so for him, the, 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 the decision to spend a dollar is not a big deal. But for small business owners, it's a huge deal. So as you see your revenue out there and your and where you want to go, how do you make that decision to spend money now in anticipation of revenue? What are what are some of the things that you look at? Well, it's easy to make the decisions when the revenue is growing. It's really easy. You 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 spend it. Um, uh, you invest uh, in in things. We we've invested uh, uh, in quite a bit of technology in the last year. Uh, a customized CRM tool uh, to help us run the business. Um, and there's a whole bunch more customization I want to do with it. Um, but right now it's on hold, uh, pending growth and sales. 
So um, when the sales start slumping, you got to make some you got to make some tough decisions quickly, and you got to and you also have to have a, a, a nice stockpile of savings uh, to help you get through that too. You can't be you can't be cash poor. You have to have some some money in the bank reserves. That's one of the things that uh, we all got to be careful of in the good times. And we just came from bad times. So remember, you can you can get into bad time again, or certainly maybe not bad, but certainly not super growth mode. So the thing we um, we discussed uh, last week was not getting hooked to the cash. You know, not don't get addicted to the cash flow. You got to plan a very steady stream and put things away when things are good, don't you, Doug? Yes, you do. And then uh, and you got to stay out of debt. You have to stay out of debt. Uh, I, I think debt will kill a business. Uh, so your debt, you were you were uh, debt adverse. I, I am debt adverse. Uh, I mean, you know, that's not to say that I would I wouldn't invest in uh, things that have uh, like like for instance, I, I wouldn't take a hundred million dollar loan. Uh, I mean, like not that anyone's trying to give me a hundred million dollars, but I, I wouldn't take a loan. Uh, to help pay for uh, business operating costs. Sure. If it were, you know, a building, infrastructure, technology, anything like that that could help us uh, actually grow top-line revenue, uh, you know, that that's different. It's something you can, you know, sell and get the money back out of. Uh, but, uh, but risking it on debt, uh, uh, well, and mostly because of small business, it's not the business debt. you got to personally guarantee it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ultimately, if the business fails, i got to pay that back. Right. Um, It'd be different if they'd give me loans is just against freelance painting, right? Is that a uh, is that a somewhat of a hangover from two thousand eight, two thousand nine? Uh, for, sure. for sure. Okay, absolutely. It's actually for me. It's a hangover from two thousand seven. Okay, um, Marie, are you seeing a lot of your clients? Are they debt adverse, or are are they willing to borrow for the business? Um, are they nervous? Um, how I think all they? of the above. I think okay. people come to the party with different things and different skill sets. Mm-hmm. I think I'm like you. I'm kind of debt averse. I probably am kind of, I'm not as straight down the line maybe because I think there's good debt that you have for your business and there's bad debt. I think people do a lot of, you know, superfluous spending sometimes, you know, um, especially in the world that I live in. You know, people buy a pair of shoes because the shoes are going to make them look good at a networking event. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's silly stuff. But yet, you know, like what happens? I mean, there's investing in coaching. There's investing in training. There's investing in technology. There's investing in, like you say, the CRM tools that are really good that people don't have the right tools to do. So it, it's like looking at, sometimes it's like looking at the different places that we go. And I'm going to say on a smaller level, where we go to network, where we go and, and who we belong to. Sometimes we're spending a lot of money for those events and they're not producing anything and they're actually the wrong events. So a lot of the people I work with, we have to really look at who is their target market and is there a target market? And I think that's a big thing that people don't really know. They haven't defined that. And so that can affect where you're spending too. If you don't know who your target market is and you don't know what your marketing message is to that target and then you're just spending money because people say, hey, this is a good thing to spend. You should get this. You should get this then it becomes not part of a particular package. So it's, again, like being busy and not productive. So I think there's I think there's good debt for your business, and that's worthwhile having. Doug, what I hear you saying is um, 
there's a there's a way you manage the you, there's a way you have developed to manage the business and you're not doesn't sound like you're swaying from that given that there was a big growth year or maybe you're seeing a little bit of a slowdown you just continue to manage your business the same way uh, well, no not completely no no we've made some uh, significant cutbacks uh this year because we uh we anticipated growth, and we—I uh, uh, was spending toward that gro- growth, and the growth hasn't happened, uh, and so I can't continue to spend toward that. I, I have to cut that back. Um, you know, if I continue to spend like I'm in Congress, uh, I'm going to run out of money. I can't dip into uh, you know loans from China, uh, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so uh, there's a finite amount of money that I've got to work with, and uh, and I can't let that cl- get close to the red line, and then we're out of business. Then we don't then we don't have the engine that creates our incomes mm-hmm. and our uh, you know uh, our, our way of life. You know, I've got five people to think about now. Um, two years ago, it was still just me in the business, and and we exploded last year. And um, my my biggest spending spree has been on people. Uh, so now I'm, I'm, you know, faced with a scenario here that we got to find other ways to cut back because, uh, you know, I've got I've got mouths to feed and I don't want to disappoint. Mm-hmm. Um, Marie, how how inevitable and how quickly should a small business owner anticipate change? Well, that's a softball question. I by was going to say you got me reeling on that one. You know, I I don't know what to say. We could answer it in a lot of different ways, but I think change is inevitable. And I think we have to really look at, I mean, anything could happen in a minute. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, catastrophes happen. There are, you know, floods happen. I mean, look at, you know, so many things that people have to deal with. So I think, you know, I think if you're looking at change, leading, leading change as a business leader inside your own organization, I think you need to really learn how to manage change. And if you don't know how to manage change, there's trainings on that. I mean, there's all kinds of people that have been incredibly successful at it. I think sometimes when we are left to our own devices, we just know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. Well, the reason I ask that is because, Doug, you came off a big year. Right. And um, then all of a sudden you expect, there was an expectation that you'd probably continue to grow. Not at that rate. Not, but, but you, you know, and now it's, it's not as what you thought. You're kind of behind plan as we are. Um, so, I mean, all of a sudden within a day's time, you've got to kind of shift gears a little bit. No, that's now when a day's time, it, it, it was, a, it took us five months before we finally realized uh, where we were at. And see, what you have to also uh, realize is the the first uh, January, February, March, April of my year is is really slow anyhow. So we always get slow then, and then it picks up and it catches up for the for the for the losses. It's a cyclical thing. But when things didn't start picking up in April and then May and now into June. All of a sudden, there was a realization that the spending that we were doing in January, February, March did not get caught back up, and then we're now faced with a situation where we've got to, uh, you know, make some cutbacks and, and and get lean, you know, for a little while, and fi- and figure out how to get the top line back up there where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Murray, we we're talking a little bit about cash planning, uh, but why don't we start with you? What do you see some of the uh, um, 
strategies that some small business people use to make sure they stockpile enough, but maybe not too much cash? Well, I think there's two. One is savings is one thing, but if earnings is another, I would put my focus on the earnings. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of things that businesses, depending on the type of business, to really look at how they can get a cash infusion. And sometimes it's a special program. It's a special, you know, promotion. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to know because there's all kinds of businesses and business layers. You know, in my world, I work a lot with entrepreneurs that have very small staffs. But, you know, they could be doing a particular program or they could be doing um, – I mean, that's probably where I see most people because I'm involved with people that do a lot of programs is there are things that if I wanted to have a cash infusion for my business, I could do a seminar, I could do a program, I could do a freebie um, and get the crowd in. Um, I educate my clients and I really take the time to do that. And sometimes I educate and create an event that has absolutely zero dollars in the moment, but that I might be able to create an offer or you know, I'm going to go to an event this weekend, and I've got an offer that's ready to go for people that I meet if it's appropriate. Um, so I look at different things like that that has a window, and that can create a cash flow. Um, there are a lot of businesses that don't have a way to really manage cash flow. They have an accountant. They have a CPA that can kind of do that stuff. It's hard because some businesses, if you're a consultant or whatever, you could have a really great month, and then you have six horrible months. And I think there are different things that you can learn that can help to have a balanced time so that your earnings is balanced and you're not so much feast to famine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a trap that a lot of businesses, just by the nature of business, you have to get really savvy about how you can add something, you know, in uh, for that. All right. You're listening to On the Money, uh, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. This is Joe Moss, your moderator. We're talking to Doug Ireland um, of Freeland Painting and... Um, Marie Fratoni, who runs uh, Get Business Anywhere, Everywhere. Yeah. Get Clients Everywhere. Get Clients Everywhere. I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. Uh, I apologize for that. Okay. Um, Doug, how do you – boy, this is a tough question. I'll go ahead and ask it. All right. How do you balance your internal fear from showing to everybody else? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a great question. Because um, as leaders, we rub off on people. We don't want it we to. We do. But we we do. I fear right now that I've uh, uh, shown too much of my cards. And see, that's the thing. I'm, I want to be open and honest with my employees, and I have been about where we're at. Uh, but I've said, you know, this is temporary, and we're going we're gonna to fix this. We're all working hard on it, and we're going to get through it uh, together. Um, uh, you know, but I've had my days where I've come in frustrated and and my office manager she knows exactly why i'm frustrated um i, I think my sales guy does too um but i'm, I'm worried that uh if i show too much of that that you know they're going to be fearful uh as well and i don't want them to be fearful i'm fearful constantly that's my nature mm -hmm. um you know you you go through what we what we went through in 2007 through 2011 and you have to be you know, if you don't have a modest amount of fear in business, then uh, I don't think you're uh, sharp and on your toes. Marie, do you agree with that? Fears, a uh, level of fear is good? Yeah, and I think, you know, people are human. I mean, we all get scared about different things. And, you know, there's a level of vulnerability that, you know, I think we have to be discerning about and discerning about where we share that information and with whom we share that information. And if we're sharing it with people, do they have the 
emotional bandwidth to be able to have that or the interpretations that they make. So, you know, I don't know of any leader that's, you know, putting themselves out in the world and, like you said, taking on five lives and whatever else. I mean, that's incredible stuff. I mean, most people don't do that. So I think, you know, there's something about authentic leadership and really being truthful about what's there, saying enough to paint the picture, but not saying too much that it leaves things. So it's, I mean, I think there's always that fine balance of, you know, what do you share when and with whom? But I don't know of a business owner or any human being that doesn't experience fear about certain things. And I think that's where sometimes, you know, um, company ownership or, you know, looking at, you know, turning over to different staff, I mean, creating initiatives inside a business so that that can inject a new energy or it takes a focus around from fear or if we don't do this and this is going to happen it's like what can we do to like where what's where can we expand because that's what really needs to happen is the expanse and it's like even looking at what could we do to expand that has a very minimal cost or no cost and there's Mm -hmm. lots of things that businesses do and they're written about all over in a zillion books well doug you mentioned that you have a an advisor group um right and that's a trusted group of people and that and uh, i've got a board that I trust, um, and those are the those. Are, what I try to do is put myself around people where I can let my hair down a little bit, mm-hmm. and let them know exactly what I'm feeling, and and let them hear um, that maybe I need some um, assurance. <coughs> Things are going to be okay, um, <coughs> and just make sure that. Um, I have an environment where I can let my hair down a little bit and share exactly what I'm feeling so that I get all that out. So when I go, you know, and I'm talking about goals, objectives, that type of thing, that that I've already kind of stroked that fear piece a little bit. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, every small business owner, Marie, I'm sure would agree, should have a trusted advisor group, whether you call it a board or not, correct? I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think smart people have a variety of people. And I think the key is to make sure that you're not just bringing in all your friends mm-hmm. that think like you, look like you, walk like you, socialize with you and all that, that you really have some diversity and some variance in their skill sets and knowledge and that you have people that are really looking out um, on a personal level for you and also the business entity. You know, what is it you're creating? And people you can trust and you can be open with. Right. Um, I read an article about uh, the a phrase called expectation, and um, expectation is where you expect that you're going to do well. You're go- you just you just expect to do it, and I'm I was just sitting here thinking whether that is is uh, uh, separate or does it detract from the concept of fear. But I don't know that it does. I think you have to set your expectation. Here's what's going to happen. You may be fearful that that's not going to happen, but I still think your expectation needs to be that you're going to win. Well, I think we get what we expect, and um, what we focus on expands. So if we spend a lot of time looking and being fearful about what's going to happen, what could happen, what should happen, what, what, you know, what we're afraid to have happen, I think, unfortunately, a lot of times those things happen. You have to really look and say, not to say that that's not real, but you put it over here and say, this is going on the shelf for now, but we're going to put our focus over here. And that's why I say, I think expectations, everybody's got them. They're just judgments about things. And we can't stop, again, like thinking, we can't stop judging everything. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I think we have to really look at what's the expectation for the company, what's the expectation for the week, what's the expectation for the quarter, what's the expectation for the year, and then do what it takes to live into that. That's the part of thinking that we need to do is really look at what's what's the, the painted future you know, um, no pun intended for that. <laughs> That's great. Um, but what's really that we're, you know, out to really cause and create? We could be at the effect of a lot of things, mm-hmm. or we can be cause in the matter of our own lives or business. It's coming from a very different place. But, Doug, your mindset every day is you're, you expect that things are going to do just fine. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I expect that things are going to turn around. I expect that we're going to, uh, uh, you know, have a, a, a good year. Uh, you know, um, well, I mean, I didn't expect to do as well as we did last year, but I did expect to grow. Mm-hmm. I expected about a 30% growth year, and we get grew by 60%. Um, I expected to grow by 30% this year. Again, we haven't. Uh, but, you know, the year's not over. Uh, the farther we go into this, I know the the harder it's going to be to come out of that. But uh, I got a, I got a huge pipeline right now. We had one or two of those uh, big jobs. Uh, if the phone rings while we're sitting here, I may have to excuse myself and go, you know, it get will. on a business. See, I th- you know, you talk <laughs> Let's about expect uh, that, but that's, yeah. the, that's the thing is, is, is I have not lost hope that the, that that stuff's going to come to us. If it's in our pipeline, it's just the pipeline has got a longer, you know, uh, turnaround than what i expected well and i think that's a good place to um uh, a good thing to point out is that good leaders never lose hope no um and uh the process and there is his phone right now saying yes he did get that big bid oh look at that i gotta go no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway i think uh we you know good leaders never lose hope and they need to make sure that everybody around them uh, know that they never lose hope as well. Uh, hope is a is a incredible motivator. So uh, we're going to wrap this up. Marie, do you have any concluding thoughts? Well, I was just going to say I can't even believe the time is over. Um, it, you know, I think you were leaving leading on a really good note there about leadership and leaders never lose hope. And I think that one of the key things that we can do is to pass that legacy on and really look for who are the leaders in our in our team that they mm-hmm. might not even know they're a leader. But who could we cultivate leadership so that they can be your real ally and not just an employee ally mm-hmm. that, that disappears when they go away at the end of the day, but who can really you cultivate? Hmm. And that could be another strategic move that you could take. Okay. Get some partnership. So, Doug, uh, any concluding thoughts? Managing in a uh, what we thought was a growth growth economy? Yeah. Uh, um, the... Uh, you know we're we're going to keep pressing forward. We're going to keep our uh, uh, the the pedal to the floor. Um, we're I mean we're we're bullish uh, at, at Freeland Painting. We're we're going forward hard. Um, we're 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 working on closing deals. We're working on building relationships. That's a key thing right there. Um, I've got a I've got a meeting I'm going into tomorrow. I'll give you for instance. This is real world. Tomorrow we're going to go into a, a company that. Uh, We've given them five or six bids. We, we we cultivated the relationship over the phone. We've never met any of these folks in person. Tomorrow we're going to go in and meet with them. And they're telling us there's going to be 18 to 20 people from their office in the meeting. Uh, so obviously, you know, breakfast is in order. We're bringing donuts and everything. But we're going to give a, uh, get a chance to present to them and talk to them a little bit about how we do business. And uh, we're, we're being told that 
they they like our numbers. They like what what they've seen from us. They want to meet us in person person now to move forward. So you know the floodgates could open up as early as tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and like I said, we still got six and a half months left in this year. There's there's plenty of time to catch up and get this thing done. The the thing that causes the stress is the cyclical nature of the feast. It's feast or famine, is what it seems to be. If I could, if I could run steady numbers and steady business all year long, I could plan for things. Oh, no, but then it wouldn't be fun. Then what it a- wouldn't be fun. <laughs> then there wouldn't be. Uh, I the, think the you know what. I think every business is cyclical, and you just got have to. Over time, you have to manage. You have to understand the c- cyclicality of your business and manage accordingly. Um, because I think every business is cyclical for whatever reason. Even if you're selling little nuts and bolts, it's going to be cyclical. But anyway, The sun comes up and the sun goes down. That's right. And we're always moving, aren't we? Um, all righty. Well, listen, I've enjoyed the show today. Um, uh, Doug, thank you so much, Freeland Painting, for being here. Marie, thank you, thank you for being here. Great fun. And, um, um, we'll have to pick up this topic again in about uh, three, four months and see how we're all doing. So, um, good. Well, this is Joe Moss, uh, moderator of um, uh, On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. And uh, it's been a good session. Enjoyed it. And I think the message from today is just don't lose hope. Keep moving forward. Change is going to hit you. It's going to smack you in the face. Get ready for it. But don't lose hope. So with that, have a good one, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.